Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome in the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check us out as well on Dash Radio. That's the Nothing But Net channel. Download the Dash Radio app for free and then search for Nothing But Net. You'll find us every day, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. to 8 a.m. Pacific. Also, check out FiveReasonSports.com. Spell it out, F-I-V-E, ReasonSports.com. For all the latest South Florida sports content, we cover the important stories like our David Fernandez uh, going through the five biggest blocks in Heat history. So check that out as well as the other 10 articles we put up there today also our youtube channel plenty of new shows of course our streaming shows and as we speak alphonse sydney is hosting the post game show off game two so when you're done with us you can search for that on our youtube channel finally I want to thank our great sponsors here the five reasons sports network make sure you check out mark brown pa this is a real estate litigation and transaction law firm both commercial and residential with a full service attorney owned title company they've got this great deal if you mention five reasons a 295 dollars closing fee on all refinances and purchases again mention five reasons 295 bucks for a closing fee on all refinances and, and purchases they handle evictions for landlords and tenants and they offer flat fee evictions they've been practicing and mark brown pa for nearly 15 years so call the office 954-566-5678 again it's 954-566-5678 or go to mark with an m-a-r-c brownpa.com and now today's episode one, two, three, four, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick with Alphonse Sidney, Alex Toledo, and Greg Sylvander, part of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got Greg Sylvander. I've got Alex Salito for at least part of it because he's also going to be on the post-game Zoom calls, the interviews with players and with Eric Spolstra. Um, but basically, we're just going to break down something we all expected, right? The Miami Heat are two wins from the NBA Finals. Um, they're we all close. saw this coming before the season. We, we all hey, saw this coming. I- I did say Heat in five before this series started, right? I was going to – you know, you guys both cut in on me. I was going to allow you to do that. Fine. Uh, there, there are two wins from the, the, uh, the finals, and Greg Sylvander had them going 4-1 in this series. So they're up 2-0 in this series, and they do it with an incredible third, should I say, turned quarter. Um, I didn't jinx oh it tonight. Oh, my God. Sorry. Uh, are Greg. you trying to jinx the rest of the series, man? We can't, I'm, I'm we can't just, break back third quarter, no. man. I'm just trying to get Alf to come We get off one the third quarter. We get one good third quarter. He's just trying to get third quarter going again. Please. Well, look, if I hadn't named it turn quarter, or actually I didn't name it. I just took it from a Twitter follower. If that Twitter follower hadn't named it turn quarter, we never would have gotten this third quarter tonight. So this third quarter, the Heat outscore Boston 37 to 17. We've now seen uh, three quarters in the series where they've gone over 35 what happened there? I, there's one obvious answer, but Greg, I'll let you start here. 
Uh, what happened there in the third? I mean, the Heat just – they turned up the, the defensive intensity uh, to a level that we hadn't seen in the first half. They started making shots, and ultimately they mixed in that zone in the perfect way, um, and it really disrupted what Boston was trying to get to. I think Boston already was a little deflated, though, to be honest, because there were moments where they looked like they could really create some separation in that first half, and it just didn't play out like that. Miami hung around, and we knew that at some point the shots would drop. Then the zone made their offense get really weird. It felt like the Heat were everywhere. And, um, and then the fourth quarter, I mean, there's so much to unpack here, but that third quarter was um, the springboard for a 2-0 lead. Alex, the zone, Greg mentioned it, and I, I think Alex is with us right now. I don't know if he's going, going off to the Zoom. Mm -hmm. You are here. I'm still here. Uh, the, the zone defense, we saw Spolstra. I mean, it, it's funny because usually Eric likes to hold something in his pocket to surprise everyone, but a lot of people saw this coming. We talked about it. Uh, it was out there in some stories I wrote that, that the Heat would use some zone where they haven't used it in the previous two series. And then he threw it out there right away in game one. And I was like, okay, that's a little early to show that hand. But then today, not only using it, but something you've talked about a lot, using Derrick Jones for, for stretches, using Derrick Jones Jr. at the top of it, made it impossible for Boston to get into their offense. Yeah, I mean, the zone completely took them out of their rhythm. And, yeah, we all know they were the most frequent zone team throughout the regular season and didn't do it over the first couple of rounds. But I think there's just no – there's no doubting it, right? Like, the, the, the Celtics scored at, at a .77 possessions – I mean, points per possession during the, I mean, against the Raptors, Jesus Christ, with the zone. So this is something that I think we all knew was going to happen. But the fact, I mean, the fact that the Heat are running it to this like level of execution, and we know that this team isn't the same as the Raptors when you just talk about having defensive personnel up and down the roster, right? Up and down the rotation. And they're just, they're executing it just as well, if not better, right? They're up 2-0 on the Celtics team right now. The Raptors were down 0-2. So I just think you can't argue with the results. I, I really got Kemba and Tatum out of that rhythm. I, Kemba was the one that I thought was really trying to break the zone, kept trying to go down the middle and, and create something from there. But Tatum, my God, he – once that zone, like, got a few possessions in where they couldn't get any anything going and they couldn't get any type of rhythm going, Tatum was just, like, giving in. It, it's almost like the, the aggression went away. He, he just didn't look as good. And – until they beat it, I, I just say, got to keep running it, man. I didn't – I don't love it when they do it with the starters because I think mm -hmm. that's the type of starting lineup that, that can really beat the zone. I can figure it out eventually. But, man, it's so good right now. Well, but, see, that, that's the thing about this series in general, Greg. And as we're, you know, doing this uh, episode, Eric Spolstra is speaking, and we'll get you his comments later. What, the, the thing about this this team is that – you know, they're, they can be a step ahead, right? Because they, they have enough different directions that can go with this roster or rotation that Eric Spolstra never really has to be in a panic because, you know, okay, you know, something's beating you in one game. All right, we're going to fix that. But, and, and today they kind of did it between the first and the second and halves. I mean, it, it didn't even take a between game. They made adjustments in that third quarter. I thought they played Walker differently. But the biggest adjustment, in addition to obviously playing even more zone, was going to Bam Adebayo as a roller. And, I mean, it, it looked to me kind of like when in an NFL game where you just keep handing it, you know, you, you've got basically a short yardage runner and you just keep giving him the ball. Okay. Just running off tackle. That's all you're doing. That felt like what Spolster was doing. It was like, okay, if you're not going to stop this, I mean, why do I do anything more complicated? Just keep running roll with bam. 
You know, Spolstra talked about from, from literally last September and October about how the depth was a strength and having so many players that are uh, rotation level players, it was a strength. And that was before the trade. After the trade, obviously, that's um, further been accentuated. And you really see that now in terms of not that you're going to necessarily have to go 10 deep with big minutes because, you know, like they're kind of starting to get to the point now where you're going to see five or six guys in the 35 plus minute marks hopefully and then you're just kind of sporadically placing guys and this is where that depth comes in really really key because Derek Jones Jr. stepped in today and was highly disruptive he wasn't perfect at all there were some bad fouls and some weird plays here and there but overall he was super productive. Olenek gave them some things here and there that I thought were um, underrated, even though he kind of got in a little bit of foul stuff. But like, here's the example. Iggy didn't even play in the second half and they Mm -hmm. still um, were able to, you know, pull together a really competent lineup. Well, not only did Iggy not play, but of course, none didn't play in the second half either. And I think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see because Kendrick struggled. I I thought that, uh, but, but Derek, Derek, he was, I mean, that's the thing with him. He was disruptive. And I don't know at this point if Derek Jones Jr. is a guy who can be a consistent 25-minute-a-game player with this particular Heat group. But for these, like, four, five, six, seven-minute stretches where he just, again, changes the nature of the game, we thought we'd see him in this series. And, and I, I was, you know, I thought it was time for Eric to get him a little bit more time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, you saw also that um, still late in games, though, they went back to the regulars. Um, and the other guy that we, we have to talk about is Goran Dragic, right? I mean, like this game to me as a, heat, as, a, as a person who has watched Heat games since 1990, this is actually the game that I will make the firm declaration that Goran Dragic is now the greatest point guard in Miami Heat history. I really think that he took that leap tonight the way that he played. Um, I can't, just can't say enough about it. It is unbelievable to see. Well, here's the thing about that. We have said, I think for a long time, that Goran had the potential to be the top overall point guard in Heat history. But for that to happen, he had to be instrumental in taking a team where Tim Hardaway could not, right, Greg? I mean, that's, that's the thing. Like, as great as those Heat teams were, they made one conference finals. Yeah. They, they, they got eliminated three times in the first round by what, at least in the regular season, was an inferior Knicks team. So that's nothing against Tim. I mean, Tim was the engine of that team in a lot of different ways. But that has been the thing that you kind of separated Hardaway from Dragic because the Heat have not had great success since Goran came, right? I mean, he, he played a big role in coming back with that 30-11 and 11 run. And, of course, he was a starter on the 15-16 team. But they, they haven't been close to where they are now. And the fact that they are, and not only is Dragic contributing, it, on a lot of nights, he is the impetus for it. I mean, like you said, he's the one who always gets them out of the mud. And then you take a look, eight out of 10 games, uh, Greg, he's gone 20 or more in the playoffs. He only had one back-to-back 20-point set during the regular season. 
that that's the thing about it is that obviously Timmy, you know, first team all NBA and we don't need to go down this road too far. Cause I feel like we need to stick to the game, but with this Dragic thing, particularly uh, Timmy only won one conference finals game. And that was that one uh, Alonzo morning guarantee against Chicago. So now like Goran even has more conference finals victories than Timmy. Um, and I just felt like, the way that he um, got that swagger going at the end of the game, you could see it in the way he was bobbing. He was literally like mm-hmm. bouncing up and down as he had the ball. So you, you just knew he had a full head of steam of confidence, step back jumpers, getting to the basket. It was just a, a, an absolutely incredible showing by Gorin. Well, yeah, when you see him get like that, then people say that's Eurobasket Goron. I mean, if you watched any of those games, um, and I saw him after the fact, I didn't see him at the time, but if you watched any of those games, you know, he had that kind of like leader. He's, he was kind of like the Jimmy Butler on those teams. You know? Yeah, no, you you're know, right. N- now he has a Jimmy Butler who can take the pressure off him in that regard. And we are going to talk, of course, a lot about Bam and a lot about Jimmy, but but the thing is, it's like Goran feels empowered because Jimmy empowers him, right? Like he's always looking for Goran to take more of the leadership responsibility. And it's not just because he wants to shirk it himself. It's because, you know, I mean, I think he sees value in the connection that, that Dragic has with all the other guys on the team. And, and I think that's been well-earned. All right, let's get uh, to the next part is I, I want to elaborate on this a little bit more in the BAM third quarter but particularly, again, the confidence that he was playing with, Spolster going to that play time after time, and then you saw Bam hit the jumper. You saw, you, and you just saw, again, when he's playing well offensively, I, I feel like the other stuff, which is already great, gets better. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a confidence thing with him. And there was a bucket that he got where it was kind of like a push shot in the lane with one hand that he got to go. And it, it almost looked like he maybe got hit, um, but it bounced in and it didn't look like a shot that was going to go in. And directly after he made the shot, he kind of did the, like this fist pump thing. And the heat were down at that point, if I remember correctly. But it was like a moment where he got one to go. It was like the lid, there was a lid on the basket. He couldn't get a bucket and it was in impacting all of the other elements of his game. And then he, then he woke up and then they got him a couple lobs. I thought that the play, um, I think it was, was it directly out of the half that they got him mm-hmm. an alley-oop dunk like mm-hmm. that? That was a really another key moment. I mean, when we think back to Dwayne in Indiana, he had like a bucket that kind of activated his game. This was a similar night with Bam when he got that bucket and then, um, everything just opened up and then he started to, you know, have touch around the rim and getting the and ones and stuff like that. So um, it's funny how he can go a game and look like he's kind of, you know, going to have a rough performance. And then we look at the box score and he's 10 for 16 with 21 and 10. (laughs) It's just, that's how, you know, he's a star. No, absolutely. And, but to see him do it offensively, I think that's what, what heat fans want to see because the other stuff we all take for granted at this stage should not, but his ability to guard one through five, his ability to make those kind of switches and recover, um, you know, again, his ability as a playmaker offensively, but just that have that scoring edge where he's going towards the basket instead of turning around and looking away from it. And I understand how good the dribble handoff has been with Duncan Robinson and others all year. So obviously there's a reason to do a lot of that stuff where he's kind of the spoke of the wheel, you know, right there at the free throw line, but to see him turn and go, Every time, no hesitation. I think that's what Heat fans want to see. All right, we're gonna we're gonna get into Jimmy Butler a little bit and his role, particularly late in the game. 
today. Before we do, though, I want to tell you about another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's You Break Wheel Fix. You Break Wheel Fix is a wheel repair and refinishing company located in North Miami with 15 years of experience. They can fix bent or cracked wheels, damage on those streets of South Florida. They've got fast turnaround times on most repairs and will even offer loaner wheels until they fix or refinish your wheels so you can keep your car on the road without interruption or your wheels faded or peeling. You Break Wheel Fix offers complete refinishing back to factory standards. And if you're just bored with the look of your wheels, You Break Wheel Fix offers over 5,000 different finishes including the vice colors to customize the look of your wheels don't spend money on new wheels when you can renew them at you break wheel fix the phone number is 305-748-0112 that's 305-748-0112 or go to youbreakwheelfix.com and now i'm going to give you tonight's code word this is the third out of five code words for you break wheel fix for free powder coating on a set of wheels which is a 600 dollar value today's code word is akpala okay so if you've got the other two code words we're going to need all five of those for you to be eligible to win this contest all right back with greg sylvander here on five on the floor ethan skoldick uh, waiting on alex toledo he's on some of these zoom calls let me read a quick quote here from eric spolster greg Spo on the first half and what changed we're a team that has to roll up our sleeves and dig in and defend, play with toughness first and foremost. And it felt like we were just trying to win by making shots. They didn't feel us or notice us defensively. What's interesting about that comment, Greg, is typically when you're trying to make a team, quote unquote, feel you defensively, you play tough ass man to man, right? It's not, you don't really hear that with going to a zone, but that's what, that's what he did. And in this case, that's what worked. Yeah, because with the zone, it, it's not even really about um, necessarily the, the defensive uh, scheme kind of stuff or anything like that. It's literally he, he wants guys flying around, whether you're playing man and you're showing hard on a pick and roll and have to recover, or if you are playing in a zone like this. It's all about seeing those guys have that little bit of buzz in their step and uh getting to spots. And I mean, they forced 20 turnovers tonight. Uh, they had 11 mm -hmm. steals. Like the, to do that in a zone means you have to have incredibly active defenders with hands everywhere. And that's why, like, I think Zach Lowe tweeted something about that. They were, they looked like they were everywhere on the floor. And mm -hmm. it's so true. Like it, it was absolutely how it played out and they need max effort. And Boston is a really gifted offensive team. Um, and uh, it's going to take that kind of effort, but they're getting it done. Uh, Tyler Hero uh, tonight, this, this quote comes from Alex's Twitter account, uh, Tropical Blanket. Tyler Hero on the zone success. They were carving us up when we played man-to-man. -man. We made the adjustment at halftime and made them feel us. Yeah, again, it's so backwards from what you think of. Like, typically, look, I know Alf doesn't love the zone and has talked a lot about how it's not Miami Heat defense. It's not that kind of, you know, Pat Riley lock and trail, okay? You know, they used to – Pat Riley used to throw it – when he was coaching, he used to throw all these – random stats at us right and because you because greg you couldn't actually check the stats <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no fact checker <laughs> yeah right I, I mean because the stats really i don't know if they actually existed so he would have these stats about well you know in this situation you know uh keith askins is doing this and this and this on lock and trail and we're like i don't we don't know what the f you're talking about so whatever it is you said you go we'll go with it but that's not Miami Heat defense typically the zone i mean i remember when they put in allowed for more zone principles the NBA did, and the Heat were not happy about it. it. It was not something that they wanted to do. 
So it's another sign to me that like what Spolstra has done, and, and some people came at me a little bit when I said he's the best coach in Miami Heat history now, but he's made so many different adjustments with the types between the types of players he's had from year to year, the types of personalities, but now even the type of team he has from kind of game to game, opponent to opponent, he's making all of these adjustments and pushing the envelope, whether you look offensively a few years ago with pace and space to now play more zone than anybody else. He's doing that more than any other coach in the league. I think it can be argued that no um, organization in NBA history has allowed their coach to reinvent themselves more times than Spolstra and stick by him throughout every single one of those evolution points because um, you, you, we've seen them play all different brands of basketball. There's certain you know hallmarks uh, regarding effort and, and things like that, but ultimately he he's you know coached the superstar team, the grit kind of team like this and um, to see him continually uh, reinvent the way that he's going to play uh, you know and now like we we know that that this is his roster. This was the team he wanted to get to from a personnel perspective. So it's just enabling him to unlock all kinds of new stuff. And um, it's still got the Miami Heat vibe from a from a physicality perspective, from an energy perspective. And it's not typical to see them, uh, you know, play zone, but doing it in spurts like this, it's working. And uh, in this league, like you kind of have to figure out what people aren't doing and get ahead of a trend. And I felt like they were, that's, they were kind of the springboard. The big three were for what the Warriors have, you know, kind of broken into. And now this zone thing kind of Spo is leading the charge there. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's opposite of the old Riley defenses. It's, it's opposite of the blitzing stuff. Uh, out of man-to-man that, you know, that they did so much during the big three era. But it's like you said, the Eric seems to have a touch here in the playoffs where when he goes to something, it works. It, it may not work forever, but it, it changes the, the tenor of games. And, and, I mean, let's go through this game again. I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that after they had, you know, the double-digit comeback in the fourth quarter of game one, they fell behind 17 in this game and, again, did not, panic they just they just kind of like they just play the next possession again i don't make another football analogy it's kind of like like a running team in in the nfl that gets behind by 10 and you know every you know basically broadcasters are saying no you got to open things up now and you're like no we're going to do what we do and we're just going to do it better we're going to do it a little smarter um we're going to try to control pace and we're going to get ourselves back into this thing and they did it i was looking at the scoring during that stretch and it was all i mean the bam third quarter obviously was huge but what I'm talking about was before that, when they fell behind 17 to come all the way back into it. And a lot of it, it was all over the place in terms of the scoring. Yeah, it came from every direction. And th- this is the funniest part of you're down 17 in game two of the Eastern Conference Finals. I can honestly say in all the years that I've watched the Heat that I never have been less nervous being down by that kind of deficit in a playoff game than I am with this team. And and it's just bizarre to say that because when you, when you watched a group like the big three, um, you, you always knew that team had a run in them. So no lead was safe or no, you know, like when they got down, you knew that they could come back, but there was also an anxiety level that was associated with the big three getting down because um, Mm -hmm. there was such lofty expectations and, and all of the buzz and, and spotlight. So this doesn't maybe, 
maybe have that and maybe that's contributing a bit to the to the calm but it's it's the way that they just they continually stick to what they know they don't get flustered and start doing uh things that are uncharacteristic of the team and they know that if they just chip away at it eventually the avalanche of three pointers the turnovers the the quick easy baskets will come in a spurt and that's all they needed they for the celtics to to lose a 14 point lead in the fourth quarter and a 17 point lead tonight that's just it's demoralization that it'll be really surprising to see them recover from that no i'm with you on that but you know what we what you talk about there about you know again kind of we're going to stick to what we do i think that the expectations thing that you hit on with the big three is what makes it easier for this team Uh, There is no pressure on this team. There hasn't been pressure on this team from the very beginning. Once it was kind of proved that Jimmy was a good fit, like nobody was going to care about this team this year unless they made a championship run. I'm talking about from outside of South Florida. There's no, you know, Jeff Van Gundy saying that the big three heat should break the 72 win record or whatever. They've had none of that. And so I I feel like, like you said, I went to so many of those big three games where if things started to go wrong, you could see it on their faces, right? Like that there was a frustration level, I've, you know, and there was a concern like, are we as good as we think we are, et cetera. You know, then you had sort of the white side era, right? Where you could see it on his face, right? Just this dour mood over the entire game. This team, like you don't see them yell at each other ever. Um, <laughs> you don't see them like crosswise at each other, like throw, like throw a dirty, none of that. You see that on other teams. I mean, body language, is something that I don't try to overanalyze because then you're like, you know, you're the body language expert and all the rest. And it seems like a silly way to watch games, but their body language is so much better than so many of the other teams in the bubble. And I think it is because of what Spolstra talked about. They genuinely like each other. Yeah. And I mean, the, the other part of this is that, um, with the interchangeable parts and things like that, it it just feels like no matter who they have to plug in and play, they can stick to their game and they don't have like huge holes in any one particular area that makes them have to completely pivot away from the game plan. And so that's more about getting back to the positionless type of roster that Spolstra has gone for Um, his ability to put, you know, wings at the top of a zone or have, you know, Bam and Jimmy be essentially the point guards, uh, you know, Duncan, finally got off tonight so you you know you got your shooting back even though Jay was a little down and yet they still figure out a way to make it all work and it's just the interchangeable parts and positionless basketball more quotes here Duncan Robinson and what halftime was like we definitely had some direct forceful conversation it wasn't necessarily emotional as in bad you're in a battle like this it comes with emotion we try to be as direct as possible and that feeds into what I was just saying too about the connection between this team Because when I say that, you know, I I shouldn't have said, well, you never see them yell at each other on the court. You really don't. That's not necessarily the issue. The problem on a lot of teams is that if they're not close, if the chemistry is not good, then the intentions are not seen in a positive way. And that is what has differentiated this team from a lot of other teams in terms of its chemistry is that they trust each other and they will call each other out. And if they won't do it, Udonis is going to do it for them. But it's it's like when I was talking to people, Greg, before they went in the bubble, and I was like, do you think any of them will opt out? <laughs> do you think any of them will play? And the quote I kept getting back was, on Jimmy Butler's team? On Jimmy Butler's team. You know, and I'm not saying that if they had opted out that I would have had a problem with it. But there was just a feeling that 
this team, everybody kind of falls in line with, with leadership, but at the same time, everybody has a voice. And the fact that Duncan can come out and say, look, we had some issues. We addressed it at halftime. Um, and obviously then they made the one tactical change in the zone. Yeah. And the, you know, this also also goes back to um, all that. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. BS that we heard about Jimmy Butler is a bad teammate and a malcontent and things like that in his previous stops. And then when he arrived in Miami, we literally didn't see a trace of it initially. All he did was gush about Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. And then he said, you know, uh, we already have two all-stars. Bam is the other all-star. And, and he's, he's constantly talking about Goran Dragic being, you know, his, you know, favorite teammate or you know there's so many examples of him empowering his guys and standing behind his guys and not making it about him and um it's just it's pretty incredible um that what that has blossomed into is essentially all those guys feeling empowered enough to take some of the pressure off of him um it's just it's absolutely uh a situation where by him doing that early in the season he now has the ability to go to guys get in their face maybe in the locker room say some things you don't want to hear but everybody keeps it professional and uh and it's uh, it's a the calling card of this team now but that's the thing about Jimmy's situation here, okay, is that not only is there a comfort level in terms of delegating to others in the locker room because he's shown that he trusts them in that way, but he also knows he doesn't have to go in every game and score 30 like a superstar is supposed to do. Now, sometimes it's frustrating. I tweeted out tonight, Greg, you know, early in the fourth quarter that he had, you know, eight, three, and one. I mean, that's a quiet line for an Eastern Conference Finals game. And defensively, he looked good to me. But offensively, he really wasn't pushing the envelope. He, you know, most of sort of their early offense came from, you know, Duncan Robinson forcing himself free. And, and then you see at the end of the game, again, Jimmy made plays that had to be made, made the two steals that led to baskets on the other end, including the steal where he's, I mean, he, you know, he looked like a shortstop going in the hole to flip the ball back in. Um, he made big plays at the end. And so to me, the, the stat line doesn't end up mattering very much. Yeah. I mean, for, to see Jimmy Butler six on the team in field goal attempts in an Eastern conference finals game is just, it's jarring. He did not have a great offensive night, but that's what this is what this team is kind of um, built on is that he can have a night like this, come up big, late, huge steals, you know, get a couple buckets there hit. I think he was six of six from the line, maybe five for five. Um, and essentially uh, you could still gut out a victory in the Eastern conference final. So it, it's just, it's the perfect Jimmy team um, that he doesn't have to do that every night, but I think eventually he's going to have to, and he's shown that he can do that in spurts or even for an entire game. Duncan Robinson, I mentioned him briefly. I'm surprised that it took us like 30 minutes to get into him because he was the guy coming out of game one that Heat fans were kind of most concerned about in terms of what they were going to do going forward. Obviously, there's frustration with none, but I think 
most Heat fans have kind of written off the fact that they're going to get huge contributions from him when he plays. But Duncan, uh, he is, in a lot of ways, the reason that they were so successful offensively in the regular season, all the way through some of the seeding games, and then really didn't have more than, in my view, one really, really strong game in the playoffs, and then three that were pretty good, and six that were kind of throwaways. And then today he has six threes. Did you see them do something different to get him freed up? Or it looked to me more like he was working to get freed up himself. Agreed. I think there was just a little bit more of a concerted effort to make hard cuts and get into position to rise up and shoot. He took one shot where I don't even know if he actually even released the ball like from his hands. It was weird. Like he caught it and flung it at the rim and it, and it swished. It was early in the game. And in that first half, when there were moments that they looked like they could really get buried, it was Gorn and Duncan Robinson that kind of kept them afloat. Everyone else was, was playing in a really weird way. And, and those two guys, they were consistent um, Duncan to get back on track. What that did was eventually as the game went on, Jay Crowder was able to get open and, and kind of make up for some missed threes initially and and Goran too also had some opportunities and so the gravity plays in there he had a, a good game also four assists from Duncan Robinson mm-hmm. kind of that's a huge point that I think is you know I I don't know exactly who those assists were too I don't recall but those are the kind of things that when he's doing any of that combined with a good shooting night it just opens things up we're going to go a completely different direction uh, with the end of this episode because there's, uh, there's something I want to throw at Greg and see where he is on. And also, we're expecting to have Alex back here soon uh, telling us about the Zoom calls. So stick around for that. Before we do, though, I want to tell you that winning season has returned at my bookie. It means doubling your first deposit. It means Survivor Super Contest and Squares. At my bookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up like you did if you had taken the heat tonight, uh, which I did not, by the way, on the pregame show. I actually took the Celtics. But rejoice, it's time to celebrate NFL season along with the NBA playoffs. So invest in your intuition. Use the promo code 5 on the floor and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. The website is mybookie.ag. Again, that's mybookie.ag. Use the code five on the floor. All right. Here's what I want to throw at you, Greg. We have been talking all season and into the playoffs, into the bubble, strangest season in NBA history. I mean, we're, we're going to be by next week, a year from the first day of training camp. Okay. But we have talked all this time about the heat and where they need to get to in future years, right? Keeping the cap space open for 21, um, you know, making sure they were flexible next year, even while making the Iguodala Crowder trade, all of that stuff. What if I was to say to you that this year, this moment, and I thought this before they went up 2 0, okay, is the time to do it? Because not only do you have uh, other teams that are going to be rising in the East, like for instance, Brooklyn, which is going to obviously going to get in the mix here, but you also have this year, in my view, what is probably the worst version of the Lakers you're going to see for at least the next two or three, provided that Anthony Davis resigns. Because I do think there are some things they can do to add a third star here going forward. Okay. 
And, and you also, on the other side, of course, have a Denver team that I, I don't think any of us, as gritty as they are, as much respect as they deserve for what they've done, I don't think anybody believes that they're a fully formed team that's really ready to win a championship. So what if I was to say that this right now is the best chance? You, you mean like this team playing in this playoff run right this moment? Right this moment. Like, I, I, you know, because, because I, I, I don't feel like Heat fans were, were like, I don't know, thinking championship, okay, even, even through beating Milwaukee, okay? I think it was like beat Milwaukee, made an impression on Giannis, okay? It's a tremendous story. We proved that we're better than everybody thinks we are. Okay, now we have Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals, but it's different than the big three era. We're always looking ahead to, okay, can the Heat win a championship this year? I don't think, and I, I don't think most Heat fans two weeks ago were even thinking that was a remote possibility. And no. what I'm saying to you is they're here now. Like, it's unbelievable. I, 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 can't, I can't quantify it. It, it it's, it's a situation where we've always been thinking 2021, right? It's always been about guiding to that summer. And, and then it became 2020. And, and, and in terms of like that, you also had the flexibility after the, the Iggy and Crowder move to also have max space this coming off season. So you thought, okay, maybe if they saw the opportunity to, to strike while the iron's hot, they would roll it up and, and move it up a year. And now they're two wins away from the finals when before these two games, this season was a resounding success. They are swimming in a gravy boat. There used to be the banana boat. This team is like it has the gravy boat because this is all gravy now, house money. Um, And you're right. Like the more that you look at the matchups, you can make a case the way that they've handled Milwaukee, the way that they've started out on Boston now that it's not a shock uh, at this point if they were to – to take this all the way. And it's so unprecedented. Um, I almost have trouble, you know, putting it into words because it's a situation where it, it, it reinforces that Riley is not going to, to rush this. He's not going to just, you know, consolidate two or three guys and go get a superstar immediately. Cause he doesn't have to, this is a finals contending team as constructed. So um, it's all about patience at this point. It, it's the perfect position for the organization to be in heading into the two summers. Well, and it's also been this incredible audition, right? Like if you're auditioning to be the place that stars in the league want to go, could this have gone any better? <laughs> I mean, could it, I mean, th- there's no way it could have gone any better. I mean, not only are you winning, but you're winning with a likable, unselfish squad with the whole like, NBA world running around screaming what you like to scream about culture. Like, it's, it, this whole thing has been a recruiting pitch, all of it. And you might win a championship like, okay, you know, it's like we effed around and got a triple-double, right? Like, I mean, they, they might win a title, not by accident, because none of this is by accident, but a, a title that no one – Heat fans, there's not a Heat fan. When the COVID break happened, Greg, right, when we were, you know, sort of traipsing out of the arena, you know, realizing there probably wouldn't be basketball again in that place for a long, long time after, after blowing a 20-plus point lead to Charlotte. Um, when we left that arena, there wasn't anybody who thought, well, if they come back in two weeks and they play, the Heat are going to win a title this year. And that wasn't yeah. happening. No, not at all. It's even more um, – it would be like the 0304 team going there. In terms of, like, what your expectation level was heading into a playoff, you, you just um, – even, the, you know, the 06 team – 
they went into that season with championship aspirations and then it got kind of weird 52 and 30. You didn't know if they really had enough to get it done, got down 2-0 in the finals and, and pulled it out. So it felt like it was um, like, you didn't see it coming because when you get down 2-0, you don't expect to win a series, but this is something completely different because the, the ceiling on this team has been raised in such a short window um, that it, it, it becomes like an all time Riley team and an all time heat team regardless at this point yeah i would think so and we keep getting to the point in a series this happened with milwaukee where you're going from oh wow this is a difficult series to oh, we're at a point now where you know we'll be pissed if they don't close it out <laughs> you know it's just it, the whole thing pivots you know and, and so there is nothing that they can color this season in a negative way. I, I think you're at the stage where if they lost four straight to Boston the rest of the way and got blown out by 15 or more in two or three of them, I still think Heat fans, I, well, would they be angry at the time? Yes. But the anger would, would so quickly subside because there were no expectations. If that happened to a big three team, okay, I mean, they'd be pitchforks outside the arena, right? So it's just, it's totally different. Right, we're going we're gonna to get into one more thing here before we go. I want to tell you about another great sponsor, the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that's Biscayne Bay Brewing, the official craft beer of Inner Miami, the Miami Marlins, and us, the Five Reasons Sports Network. Biscayne Bay is owned by local guys who employ people in this community to make their beer right here in south florida these guys are committed to our community and support five reasons sports so we can keep bringing you all the local sports content that you can handle if you care about supporting local business and drinking amazing beer grab their stuff marlin's lager miami pale ale or tropical bay ipa at all major retailers throughout south florida biscayne bay brewing it is the beer we're drinking at five reasons sports all right you said something earlier and i want to let you close on this you basically said that you think at this point Boston will be broken. Um, I think looking back at those Celtics teams that we are more familiar with, the Pierce, Garnett, you know, at the time, KG, Rondo, Perkins teams, with those teams, you never really felt like they would just crumble. Like if they got down 2-0 in a series, like those efforts were not going away, okay? <laughs> they were going to fight you until the end of it. We don't really know about this Boston team, right, Greg? Like, I, I mean, last year they would have quit because Kyrie, with Kyrie and everything else that was going on, they would have quit. How, how are you so confident that they're going to be sort of broken by what's happened the first two games? I mean, when I say broken, I, I think that, you know, obviously I don't think the Heat are going to sweep or anything like that, even though I said five. It, it's more about this. It's that when you have a, a group of young players that are um, – relied upon so heavily for Boston, as well as a guy like Kemba, who hasn't ever been in this kind of situation. Um, I, I just feel like it's a real uphill battle to think that now they're going to, you know, you know, get four out of five in this series. So it's a daunting position to be in coming off of a seven game grueling series that was, you know, the emotional highs and lows were all over the place. So to now have those leads feel like you're in control of games and then be down 2-0. Um, I, I just feel like there's just that mixture. They, they don't have like those uh, playoff tested vets or even like a guy like a Rondo that was the, the, that, could rally guys like who, who is that guy on this team it's, that says I've been there before and we can come back from this no well, it's supposed isn't. to be Marcus Smart and yeah. I don't know if you guys I just came back I don't know if you guys have talked about this already on what Gary Washburn has been tweeting about uh Marcus Smart you know screaming at everybody in the Celtics locker room oh, we have not. you guys touched on that yet 
We have not, so fill oh, us in. Oh, okay. Here we go. So uh, here we go. Marcus Smart is screaming in the Celtics locker room, and there's a bunch of arguing going on. Smart comes out, say, quote, y'all on that bullshit. Team is imploding. Smart is in bathroom, and there was still screaming coming from locker room. Wow. Hold on. There's more. <laughs> go ahead. The Celtics will not practice tomorrow, says some players, including Smart, have left. Smart declined to speak with media. These are all Gary Washburn tweets, by the way. Uh, been outside a bunch of locker rooms in my days. That was as raucous as I've ever heard. Argument is continuing. Locker room still closed. Smart wasn't the only one yelling. There were definitely items thrown and a lot of yelling. <laughs> yeah, so like okay, I said, everything. they're broken. Uh, okay, you just like took it back. You can't back. say they're broken, then take it back, and then say they're broken again. You can't do that, Greg. <laughs> I, I, I'll say this. That, that really surprises me because – that speaks to deeper seated issues on a team. Like if you're going to get that upset late, there's something that's been festering for a while. Like maybe it's somebody who's, you know, not fulfilling defensive assignments, or maybe it's somebody who's not making the extra pass. Like that's typically when that stuff happens. So, but it surprises me with this group because you haven't really seen, have you seen any signs of them fracturing in it? When I watched them in their Toronto series, I thought considering everything, they hung in there pretty well together. I mean, they gave up a miracle shot at the end of the game, um, and they ended up coming back later that series and, and blowing out Toronto by 25 in the first half. So that surprises me a little. I, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I can't believe that they would get to that place, um, particularly a Brad Stevens coach team, everybody. I mean, how could this happen? Um, it, it sounds like it's a complete lack of culture um, on their side, particularly at the end of this game. But, you know, th- it You're could be... you Brad Stevens isn't controlling that room, Leif? Right, exactly. Um, but it, the it could... Is that a saucy nugget? Is that, can we go with that? Brad Stevens the... has lost control of, the, of, his, of his job, of his, of his team. It's perfect. It's just wonderful. Um, but no, Marcus Smart probably is calling out guys. Tensions run high. Emotions are up. But to hear it continue on the way um, Gary Washburn was just tweeting, that, that's like, that's imploding. And no doubt. Alex, what else uh, came through on the calls? We read a couple of the quotes, but what was meaningful to you? I mean, more of the same from Jimmy when it comes to the, you know, the business mindset. He keeps saying, you know, we haven't done anything yet. All we're thinking about is winning the you know winning it all and talking about what it could just as easily be 4-2 if we don't really start I mean if we stop you know executing the way we have I think more of the same which is what you know we've heard from him this whole time I think uh Duncan was feeling good he was talking high on everybody and by the way back to Jimmy by the way because I'm you know I'm remembering some of these things as I'm talking about it mm-hmm. he is out there naming everybody that's that does like specific things so like he'll be asked about the zone and, and he'll start naming players and kind of saying oh they, they did great in this they did great in that he'll start breaking down the game in, in a, a lot of detail which I feel like he, he tends to do after wins and he's still really excited and uh, I, I love it man it's like every time he's out there talking he's empowering his guys and it, it comes off in the game style too like the way that he plays we got uh, ask those minutos from heat twitter kind of said something where it's like yeah I, I've gotten used to the way that Jimmy plays in the first quarter when he's overpassing and trying to get everybody set up it's almost like an, a way to kind of get everybody tired and, and to beat down the team little by little and it's almost the same strategy that he takes for the post-game comments mm-hmm. i mean listen to this post-game comment from jimmy butler this is the money line i'm going to bring them a championship end quote oh i missed that oh that's good <laughs> <laughs> that's good I, I told you when you talk to people around him around bam 
they believed they could come out of the East. I, I think we talked about that, you know, on the pod when this thing started. I don't know if we fully believed they could come out of the East, right? Like, I'm, maybe you did, Greg. But, like, I, I feel like Alex and I all year have hedged on this. Like, okay, they're better than everybody thinks they are, or at least that the general public and sort of the uneducated national media, that a lot of them are educated, but a lot of them, you know, obviously, are just trying to be carnival barkers. A- and... They, you know, we felt they were better than that, but I don't think we thought they would be two games from the finals. Okay, not not in this. Season. No, not not even me. Let's be honest. <laughs> good, good. I'm glad you acknowledged that. I mean, Alex, this is what, unreal, what percentage man. would you have given it when the season started? Definitely lower than twenty. Probably lower than fifteen. Maybe lower than 10, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Like, I really did think this team was going to be good. I never really doubted that they would be better than we thought just because I do trust the organization. I trust the coaching staff. I trust the player development. And that was all obviously proven right once again. But I definitely didn't think that they were even going to get past the second round, if I'm being fully honest. And it's something that we talked about all season. It's like, yeah, if they get to the second round, you're happy. You, you, you You want them to push. And we were saying that as early as last round in the beginning of the Milwaukee series. It's like, we, we just want them, we just want to see them push these teams. And now they're, t- <laughs> they beat the Bucks in five, almost swept them, and are now 2 0 on the Boston Celtics, who people were scoffing at the idea mm-hmm. of the Heat beating these Celtics, these, you know, <laughs> these, these Celtics who are just unbeatable, apparently. Well, Alex, they've dominated, they've dominated the other top teams in the East this year. I'll have to look up exactly what the number is, but I think it's 21 and six now. Um, you know, if you include obviously the regular season, the seeding games and the playoff games of what they've done against the other top five teams in the East. I mean, there's nothing fluky about this. And we had two big proclamations on the show here before you joined, and then we'll close it here. You know, Greg's proclamation is he has now declared that Tim Hardaway is no longer the best point guard in Miami Heat history. So that's his declaration that Goran Dragic has now passed him. How do you feel about that one? I mean, I saw the tweet when Leif first tweeted it, and it's a big deal because when Leif tweets something like that, it, it goes into effect. So Dragic is officially the best point guard of all time. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, man, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I'm not going to be the one to sit here and say, no, I obviously didn't watch Timmy in real time. But it, it's just crazy to hear you guys say that and kind of talk about it as this real thing because Goran has just been so good, and it's really unreal what he's doing. None of us saw this coming. I don't think any of us saw what he's – He's not just turning back the clock because he's not really playing like old Goron necessarily. It's like a new version of Goron where like he's still getting to the basket, but he knows exactly when to drive, when to stop, you know, when to leverage the shot. He's like, I think this is his highest decision-making and confidence. Like everything's kind of the stars are aligning for him where even though he's lost a step, he's just the most confident and and tuned in and he's healthy, man. He looks awesome. He is playing at an all-star level and has been for almost the entire playoff run outside of maybe a game or two at most. And it's like, yeah, this team all of a sudden is like, yeah, they've got three all-stars, two of the best shooters in the league, mm-hmm. some real solid wing defenders, you know, the coaching staff that just – Spo, man. I think, honestly, Spo, it's just incredible what he's doing. It's incredible. Because this is something, by the way, Ethan, that I know you can attest to where I think maybe you can say that Spo in the past – has been has uh, taken long to make adjustments and maybe in the middle of a game, not necessarily game plan yep. wise. And he's gotten even better at that too. Like he is not afraid to make the adjustment in the middle of a game and just say, this is what we need to do right now. That's what I said to Greg. I said that, that there's no coach who's innovating right now more than him. And it is an in-game thing also. And 
to go away from, I don't want to belabor it because Greg and I spent so much time on it, but to go away from, uh, you know, the Heat's traditional man-to-man principles to play this much zone, you know, to go away from, you know, Eric Spolster as a coach went away from the post mentality that the Pat Riley teams had. Okay. And moved it to, to more of a pace and space type offensive game. He's innovated lots of ways over the years. Uh, the other big comment uh, made on the program today is I said that we keep looking ahead to 2021 and what the heat are going to be someday. And it's very possible that their best opportunity to win a championship maybe right now before the Lakers add a third star before Brooklyn gets uh, Durant back with Kyrie. Does that make any sense to you, Alex? Oh, no, 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 no. There's no doubt about that. If this is their, this is easily their best shot, right? Like I'm not saying they won't be here or, you know, they won't be in the mix to be right back here next season, but this is absolutely the year with everything that we talked about with all these factors in the bubble, right? Like this is a team that is just so mentally, you know, they got that mental fortitude this is the shot with Brooklyn out, with Golden State out. I, I just think, you know, with, with these Eastern Conference teams that haven't put it together yet, it really is the shot. It really – because I think Milwaukee's going to come back and maybe they don't look as flustered next season. You know, you've got Toronto. They, they seem like they'll probably be back together next season, probably playing at a similarly high level. Same with Boston. You've got Brooklyn coming back with KD and Kyrie. Indiana should be probably healthier and better next season given Oladipo was traded in the offseason. Uh I really do think that the Heat are just taking advantage of you. There's no doubt about it. The, the league and uh, life are so fragile. So for them to get to this spot and to be so close, it, you have to put the odds on that you're not going to get back here. It's not easy to do, even though I know Heat fans are get – we can get spoiled by the success. It's not easy to get here. And if they do get to the finals, mm-hmm. what's that balloon payment going to look like for Gorn for one year uh, next year? <laughs> Oh Woo. my God! Did, did you guys four, see that Stan Van Gundy quoted Leif Sweet? Oh, I did not know that. He, what was which one did Stan quote? <laughs> Leif, Stan Van Gundy is not having this claim that Leif is making that Dragic is better than Hardaway. He quoted and said, "Stop it! I just tweeted about Dragic not getting enough credit. Great player, but Tim Hardaway was first team All NBA, easily the best point guard in Heat history." <laughs> Look okay. at you getting slapped out by Stan Van Gundy. That's okay. We can have Stan back on and we can talk through this. I mean, it's just what he's doing on the biggest stage. I mean, I I grew up wanting to play like Tim Hardaway. He is literally the guy who I was in my driveway trying to emulate. So it's not easy for me to say this. Like, Timmy was the best player on those teams, but this is different. I'm coming around to where you are. Like I said earlier, you know, the one thing Tim was not able to do was, was get to an NBA Finals with this group. And if Dragic was a bit player in this. That would be one thing, but he is in a lot of ways, a lot of nights. He is the reason offensively. And so uh, what he's doing shouldn't be understated. I, I tweeted that to me, there's only three point guards that played better in the playoffs than him. Uh, and, and I, to me, Kyle Lowry is a push, but Dragic keeps doing this. I'm not going to be talking about Kyle Lowry anymore. At least, at least not until the heat trade for him. All right, we'll be back. Uh, tomorrow we're going to, uh, no, excuse me. We will not be back tomorrow. We're going to be back on Saturday for pregame and postgame streams. And we'll have a pod Sunday night. And then I got to figure out if I'm going to get my ass up to Orlando, Alex Toledo, Greg Sylvander, Ethan Skolnick, check out five. Can I close with something that Mark Jones tweeted? Go ahead. He said, Jimmy Butler bought his teammates a gourmet dinner for his own birthday Monday. His chef prepared it. Jimmy dislikes his birthday. So he had his Miami heat teammates come in, get the delicious food, take it to the rooms and eat quote, I love y'all. Let's get this ring. It's a good way to end. Back tomorrow. 
Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.